Welcome, John, to the episode, mate. For the listeners out there that don't know about yourself and your business, could you, uh, yeah, give them a bit of an insight? Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure. I'm based down in Tassie, so yeah, just shoot weddings and stuff. A lot of weddings and stuff down here. So it's just me, and I, um, I don't know. I, I run the business by myself, and I run a very personalised business as well. I think. Um, I know that a lot of people out there kind of, you know, you split either way, whether you run it as kind of a business or like it's yourself as an artist. And I'm, I'm kind of like that way, I guess. With I like to put myself out there, very personal, like, you know, you're hiring me as an artist to capture your day. So I kind of run my whole business like that and um, put myself out there a lot. Yeah, but I, I shoot a lot of like intimate weddings, elopements, some bigger weddings. Um, I guess my whole ethos, though, with regards to this is just that I always want to shoot a wedding as long as it's for the, the couple are doing it for themselves and it doesn't seem like a wedding that, you know, they're just going through the motions or just ticking off boxes. That can either look like an elopement or a bigger wedding. Sorry, just get sidetracked a little bit here, but I kind of think in the industry we're going a little bit, we tend to go a little bit hard on like, you know, you've got to elope, otherwise, you know, you're just doing it for other people. But I, I, I don't really think that way. I think eloping is not for everyone and we shouldn't, like, guilt people into thinking that, that that's, for like, for everyone because mm. I don't know about you, but I meet with couples and they go, oh, yeah, they're almost ashamed that they're getting, like, having a bigger wedding. Mm. And I, it shouldn't be like that. If you're a wedding person, if you want a big celebration with, you know, 100 guests, that's entirely up to you and I don't think... Yeah, you have to elope or you have to do it a certain way. I just think the first thing I do when I meet with, with couples is basically sit down and, and just be like, tell me about your day. Tell me what you want out of it. And the next thing I follow up with is like, don't let me tell you what you need to do because I'm there to, you know, document your day. John, do you feel as though you're bringing up at a solid point? I know this is a bit off subject and stuff, but with the whole elopement expectations 100% agree but do you feel as though it's it's generally the photographer that's not just pushing it but kind of have like diversified the thought process behind whether it's a wedding or elopement because generally elopements are a little bit more creative for the photographer they have a bit more creative freedom time they can maybe think about going to a bit more of an epic location to get content for themselves do you feel like it's a bit of a selfish thing that we do as photographers where we all generally well a lot across the board prefer elopements no doubt man it's like yeah if you've got a big wedding at a venue you know you can't really dictate where you're going to do the shoot Mm. so being able to just do you know one to three hours in elopement it's somewhere that's amazing yeah of course that's like ideal for us but i think we need to listen to the couple and really be respectful of what they want and not not be like, you know, you've got to do it this way, you've got to do it that way. Because I think at the end of the day, what we are documenting their lives, I guess. So we, we want that to reflect in our work. When I started out, I was very much pushing my business towards that, you know, adventurous photography, you know, elopements on top of a mountain. I've kind of scaled that back a little bit while I still love doing that. Absolutely love doing that stuff. Don't get me wrong. But I'm really just listening to the couples a bit more these days and just being like, you know, that it's whatever you guys want. Like it's not, you know, I'll, I'll get epic photos of whatever we do as long as like 
it's it reflects who you are and i think that's the most important thing you're driving home a solid point i mean lately jonas peterson's been blowing up obviously with uh wedding summit through dry long and he's held his own workshop and it a super famous destination photographer shot you know everyone mostly knows jonas and his work and kenya and africa and everywhere probably antarctica who knows but it sounds super similar, John, what you're saying, mate. He sounds like he's done a whole 180 on his business and gone back to the fundamentals of, hey, like you don't have to be what the photographer keeps showing on their Facebook and Instagram, which is a mountain and epic scenery. Like it's a story and that could be in the backyard and and who am I to tell you or have an ego where I only do these type of things or I only do elopements because I'm this type of person. It sounds super interesting, man, and I love it. You really put your clients, you know, their story first rather than your creativity. Yeah, and that's it, man. I'm just like, I don't know, I've gone through a bit of a shift again this year. I feel like, I'm honestly, like every year I kind of reflect on my business and I mm. have a little bit of a, a little bit of a sidestep or, or something just because I don't think we need to lock ourselves into one style or like one genre. And we're always evolving and I think that that's part of the job. And, yeah, like this year I've just been really focusing on just giving my clients just, you know, a really high-end service where it's just like everything's tailored towards them. I'm like going above and beyond wherever I can just to help them plan a day that reflects them. And, yeah, exactly like Jonas was saying, like we have to listen to them and then like create a story based on what, what they're after and like, I've been planning an elopement with a couple and like we were about to go on the mountain and then like after, you know, to do some some epic landscape photos and then after talking to them, it turns out they're actually, you know, a bit more nerdy and stuff and they just love burgers and that kind of thing. So we we're actually just going to go to a burger place and shoot in like alleys and stuff. Mm. And it, they're so pumped about it now. And I'm like, this is the problem. Yeah, this is what I'm saying about elopements maybe like, we try to push these epic photos a bit too much and whereas sometimes it's the experience itself that is more important and it's our job as artists to be able to capture that and facilitate that. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. I want to jump into one thing you said, John, that you try to provide your clients with a high-end service. Like, Can you kind of give a bit of an insight into what that means to you, man? Yeah, I mean, this year with all the loss of work and everything, I've been reflecting on a lot of things lately and I just feel like I don't know how often do people pay someone thousands of dollars to do a job like this you know it was really quite a luxury high-end service I think um it's so important that we treat our clients like that like as soon as they get in contact with us we should be going above and beyond to give them the most incredible experience and that just boils down to absolutely every part of the business so, you know, like the way we communicate with them, the how professional our brand is, like everything from like invoices to the booking system and then afterwards your gallery and if you've got a print store, I think everything should be at the top of its game all the time because, you know, if these people are paying us thousands of dollars, they should be getting an amazing service for that. I can't think off the top of my head when I would pay someone this much money to do a job for me. And like, and I think it's our responsibility to really give them a service that they walk away from and go, 
holy shit, that was like amazing. Because at the end of the day, I think clients kind of assume they're going to get good photos, right? They're hiring you. They've seen your work. There's like the bare minimum to create amazing photos for them, even though that's what we're selling. Mm. Everything else that we do after that, that's where we, they're going to notice. So then some touch points on that, John. What are some things that you do? Yeah, sorry. I think I went a bit off track. There. No, no, not at all. Yeah, well, like I like to try to catch up with my couples at least two or three times before a wedding. Um, I take them out for beers. I'm, I'm very much about going out for, for beers or coffee or something or even like I went out for, I go for dinner every now and again with couples and just really creating that personalised experience where they feel like they're the centre of my attention all the time. And then things like, so I use Studio Ninja, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners probably do as well, which is a CRM. Like after I meet up with a couple, I'll go straight to the notes section and I'll write down pretty much like everything we talked about, everything they told me about themselves because I want next time when we meet up or when I shoot them, you know, me to ask them how their dog is or how the job's going, how the new house is going, you know, because, because I want them to feel like they're my only client. So that way I've, I've always got a record of that. And then like this year I was working on a wedding guide, you know, so that way after they book me, you know, they've, they've got like recommend, like uh, suggestions on how, not suggest, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, but just like in my experience, what, what helps, how to get the best out of your photos, how to get the best out of your day, just the whole guide like that. And I just set up a, a brand new print store on Pick Time as well. I moved from Pixie Set, which was, on my mind for a long time, but like just that the user experience on pick time is phenomenal. And like, yeah, I just think it's small things like that, that all just add up. And at the end of the day, couples walk away and go, holy shit, I was just dealing with this, seemed like I was dealing with this massive business that was 10 employees looking after our photography. But at the end of the day, it's just me just trying to give them a personalized experience, I guess. Yeah, it's incredible to hear that. I mean, obviously I had the the honor of having you photograph my family, which is something unique for yourself, but um, we've known each other for a couple of years now. Even when I was down there, it was just so warm, man, like just meeting you guys again and and having that experience of you photographing my family. But I just want to, um, again, flip. I've got two main things I want to talk about, John. And I know most listeners probably are aware of your photography, right? I feel as though that you have a super unique style. It stands out. I could pretty much blank your name off Instagram and see one of your photos and probably say that's John's, which I think is amazing. A lot of your listeners are going to kind of want to know how you shoot, any practical tips, gear that you use. And then I want to flip to another question we were talking about earlier this week to finish it off, man. But yeah, if we can talk about your actual photography, your style, how it created what inspires you and so forth. Yeah, for sure, man. So I learned photography through travel and street photography. So I basically just went traveling for a whole year, 2015, I think. And I, I learned photography like that, you know, just taking a camera out every day, going to local markets and just photographing people. So I'm really drawn to that street style. So when I got back, kind of built my wedding business up, and it took me a few years to find myself, I think, within this industry. I was definitely at the start just throwing out all the wedding cliches and doing all that kind of stuff. And then I pivoted to 
being adventurous kind of elopement photographer and now I've kind of done this full circle where I've just gone back and I and I really focus on street photography as my inspiration to create wedding photos so when I'm at a wedding I kind of get the shots that I need to get I'm always thinking you know I do need a clean portrait I do need this this kind of photo of these people you know I, I will definitely tick those kind of photos off for the sake of the I guess the recording a wedding, mm. but then I will kind of like just take a breather. Sometimes, you know, I'll even go in the other room and just kind of reset and go in and like think about an interesting way that I can shoot the scene. Like, so if I can change up the composition, you know, sometimes I'm like laying down on the ground and like just doing weird shit, but I'm always just trying to look for different ways, I guess. To shoot something and a big part for me to do that is to just take a breather so my brain really tends to shut down when I'm under pressure I don't know if anyone really knows that except for my wife but <laughs> like I just like completely go blank so that's why you never see me go to like quiz nights or play board games or anything because as soon as I'm under pressure I cannot think so I will quite often just like walk out of the room you know, during getting ready, because I find that getting ready is usually a pretty high stress kind of time of the day. And I will just like reset or like during a couple shoot, I will just say the couple, you know, halfway through, I might just, because I've got music on, I'll just say, you know, you guys just chill for a bit, just, you know, have a breather. But really I'm doing that for myself because I just need to reset and go, okay, what have I got so far? What else do I want to do? How else can I shoot this? Because Going into a shoot, I've got, like, ideas flowing out, you know. I'm, I'm all this inspiration, all these different ways that I want to shoot. But as soon as I'm under pressure, you just kind of bottlenecks for me. So just taking that time and going, all right, what have I done so far? What else can I do? It was really a game changer for me. And then so when you come back in then, John, do you feel as though that you're looking for that creative photo because you've got those kind of the must-have type things and are you going back in with a, the clear minds thinking, okay, cool, I want to create something unique here. I'm not going to look at continue documenting just the standard portraits type thing? Absolutely, man. Because that's it. We're under such time pressures on a wedding day that I feel like when I walk into a scene, I'm like trying to make sure that I, I get these photos that I need to get, you know, like the, the clean portraits and the, all of that. And then once I can reset, I can just go, you know, now now I can be a bit more creative and do the style that, you know, maybe I get some pretty whack kind of compositions every now and again and it's definitely not like the, the, a clean portrait of their face or anything. There might just be a silhouette or it might mm. be like running. It might just drag the shutter or I might do some weird stuff. But I think just having that time in between allows me to, to adjust. Man, I just finished reading a book. I think it's called Performance Habits. I'll link it in this anyway, but he talks about how to get key performance out of not just like sports, creativity, everything, business, relationships. And they did studies and don't quote me on it, but he was saying, man, that our mind can only stimulate two hours of constant stress under high workload and we can only produce two hours of high performance before our mind shuts down. And just like our body, 
two hours is generally the limit until the body starts depleting itself and utilizing other stores of energy. And he was saying that hence why like Google and stuff have 50 minutes on 10 minutes off and that's their whole day. And he was saying that not only does athletes need to take a break, right? We know athletes like, you know, they train hard, like doing their hours and then they have a Sunday off to recover or they pyramid right up to their highest fitness level before like a race. And then they like de-stress and then they take, you know, a week off and go for walks and slowly get back into it. And it, it was interesting. There's a creative chapter in it and he talks about creative artists and when they, they have this kind of say this piece they're working on or they're a photographer and they're under this high stress environment that he was talking about war photographers and they go in and they've got all these expectations and it's just stimulating their mind constantly. He was saying that one day on as a war photographer equates to three days fully off of any mind stimulation to come back at your hundred percent peak of creativity. And yeah. And, um, actually I put in my contract coming in for next season, next year, which I never did is that every hour I may be taking a 15 minute break and every two hours, it'll be a mandatory 15 minute break because you know what it's like prep, crazy prep, crazy ceremony, nonstop group photos, constant. And then you got to turn it on for portraits. And as you said, man, and like that's six, seven hours already deep. And if studies have shown you can only do two and he says you do two hours and it's a mandatory like half an hour, hour break until the mind can come back 100% clear. And I thought, well, surely we'll produce way better results if we step away, like you're saying, and it's kind of reiterated that point, man. So it's amazing to hear that. Yeah, man, that is fascinating, hey? Mm, it is. Like, I feel like after a wedding, the next day I feel like fucking hungover, man. Yep. Like, it just absolutely wrecks me. Yeah, and it can. I think we just need to try to schedule that time in, and I think that that really comes down to to planning and setting expectations for the couple because most of the time they they don't understand what kind of goes into this. Mm. We are switched on creatively for sometimes ten hours, which is just absurd, really. Yeah, you can't run a race for ten hours at full speed. You know, like yeah. by the fifth hour, you are done. I feel like even during reception, you know, it might even be something simple like the speeches or something, but you're still just switched on. You can't. Even, 100%. Like if I sit down for dinner, I still can't switch off. I'm still looking around, you know, like it just never ends unless we force that situation. And the interesting thing is we're our own boss. I think we put those expectations thinking I have to be photographing because I'm missing this moment. But as you said, man, like if you come back in 10 minutes with a clear mind and produce beautiful photos or something unique, tell me how stoked they are rather than just being pricked and prod and just have this guy highly strung in front of them for an hour. That's so true, man. Like there's always going to be moments happening. It's a bloody wedding day, you know, mm. and we just need to, I guess, just make sure we put the time aside for ourselves to create one incredible photo as opposed to three mediocre photos. Mm. I remember speaking to a musician, a good mate of mine up on the Gold Coast. And I said, what's the worst thing about your job? And he said, I hate DJing, man, but everyone wants to, you know, a muso slash DJ. And I said, but you're the artist. And it was funny because it kind of slaps me in the face as well. And I said, dude, you're the artist. You're an incredible acoustic guitarist, singer, but 
DJ, yeah. Like, I mean, you're still an artist, but a lot of couples just want someone to push play and mix it and, and keep rock and rolling. They hire you for your voice and your uniqueness. Why don't you just get like a, a student come in and DJ so you don't get home at 1am 1, 1 every Saturday or Sunday morning and you kind of finish up with your best performance at five o'clock. And he's done that. And I actually caught up with him well, a couple of weeks ago now. And I was asking him how it was. And he said, look, no one's turned a blind eye why I bring a DJ in. They hire me for my skills to sing. And I, I feel as though I create a way, way better performance than I've ever done in the last 10 years. You know, and then I was like, damn, maybe I could bring a second shooter just to shoot receptions <laughs> and see you guys like I'm out. And um, I truly considered it, man. Hey, like, yeah. Not last year, year before was so big for me. And I was like, I can't keep doing this. Like I, I'm not a late person by eight o'clock at night, my shoulders are done and yeah, starting to hurt when you're backing it up. And I'm like, man, if my work starts suffering, I'm going to start changing things. But yeah, I, I love that. Just quickly, John, on your process, man, I know I always get asked a lot, like, why aren't you asking what gear photographers are using? So I love gear. Like I'm not shy away from talking about cameras could you just give the listener an insight into what you use now, what you use for your personal work, and then I've got one more question for you, my man. Yeah, man. Um, I'm actually a bit the opposite. I, I don't care too much for gear. I think good photography all comes from our brains and not the camera. You know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a firm believer that I should be able to shoot a wedding better on an iPhone than the average person could shoot on a DSLR. Mm, you know, most definitely. Equipment. But same time, sorry, I'll go back to the question. Uh, I shoot Nikon, I've got a D850 and a D750 as my backup. And then I basically just run all the Sigma Arts, 35, 50, 85 most of the day. Mm-hmm. The, the 28 on every now and again just to mix things up. But I, I basically live on 35 and 50. I just feel like it lets me use my feet a lot, which I prefer. I prefer to to shoot that way, to run around and get weird angles. And, you know, it just suits my style a bit better than thing going 85, even though that's probably better for portraits and that. I, I prefer to move around and because mm. I'll, I'll basically sit a, set my couple up somewhere and then I'll be I'll be just legging it around. <laughs> like I had that experience of, <laughs> of the monkey <laughs> yeah. man climbing rocks while I was just watching <laughs> and laughing my head off. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, like, <laughs> brilliant. I, I don't like to make the couple work too hard, you know, I want them to just kind of take it easy and yeah and for my personal work I like to shoot my street stuff on a Leica M6 mm-hmm. which I know would be a bit of a sore spot for you but <laughs> don't start <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much that and then I'll when I travel I just take away one of my Nikons with a pretty much just with a 35 and I'll just shoot that I think that's probably the best balance for me 35 nice hey John something popped up in my mind just then man yeah going way back to when you said that you really learned your style or photography through your travels. And I know, I don't know if it was earlier this year or last year that you had a big trip to Africa. I feel as though, and and quote me if I'm wrong, man, I feel as though that when you were documenting that and I was seeing those photos and then you got back, I've seen a complete transition in your work. Do you feel as though that's true? Yeah, man, for sure. That was kind of that pivot that I was talking about a little bit before where um, I kind of just got, came back and and just let go of, I guess, the Instagram wedding kind of style that's out there and was just like, you know, fuck this, like 
this is what I love about photography, creating these powerful images where, like, you know, it's not just a couple laughing, walking down a path or something. I want to use, like, every, like, millimetre of the frame to my advantage. And so it definitely recalibrated me a little bit just travelling. So I like to go away once a year and, and, and just focus on that. I was, I was meant to have a couple of trips this year which got squashed, but always planning more and hopefully we'll get away next year. Mm. So what was it about that specific trip that made you come back and, and switch your style or find a new approach? Not just the approach, mainly the style, mainly what you're drawn to and how you thought, okay, this is what I'm going to do. What was it about that trip? Oh, man, it's just like because Africa is an amazing subject. Right? We, we were there for two months just backpacking and I think just shooting people in their kind of natural everyday lives, you know, because I don't, I don't tend to ask, like, go up to people and ask photos, you know, I'll just, like, kind of hang back and, and just kind of document them doing what they're doing, you know. We did a few, like, multi-day walks through the mountains and stuff and just just being with these this group, uh, like we kind of stayed with a family and just, like, shooting them up in the mountains, you know, they were, like, trying to trade goats with people and like I was getting involved in that and just kind of shooting that like the transaction and everything and I just really loved that I really loved shooting people in their natural habitat and I just think I just came back as like this is what it's about not not so much like yeah just trying to get mm. uh, yeah you got to balance the tour as well though you know we, we do want to get good portraits of the couple and that kind of thing but it's it's how we do that and so many of my, like I'll have in my library of photos, you know, there'll be the, the clean portrait of people and then there'll be like photos where I'm, I'm focusing past them, I'm blurring them out, I'm shooting just their arms and their legs kind of interacting and, and that kind of thing and, and it's just building that story and, yeah. Mm, no, I love it, man. I, um, I remember seeing you putting all your stuff up on Instagram when you were over, over in Africa and I was like, wow. Remember, I, I think I remember saying to you, you need to create a photo book from this. <laughs> yeah, I'm still kind of thinking along that path, but mm. it's just tough because I was, I was going to go to Italy for a couple of weeks this year and I was going to go to New York and California as well for, for work and I was going to just really ramp up kind of that street photography, but, yeah, that's all right. Hey, there's always streets in Hobart. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I want to jump into the question why we are here. We're speaking about a topic to go through on this podcast episode, mate. And the thing that you, you brought up was we're going to talk about the expectations that we put on ourselves and the challenges that come with that. Now, I want you to uh, elaborate on what that means and what you've gone through. Yeah, for sure, man. I think this is a really good topic because... You know, I get around a lot of, try to talk to like a lot of photographers and I'm friends with quite a few and I I feel like a common theme with everyone is that we put so much stress on ourselves and we, we, I feel like so many photographers have imposter syndrome, which is kind of crippling, I, I find for me. Every single wedding that I shoot, without a doubt, the morning of, I am like up to my eyeballs in stress, like it might be the most simple wedding. On the weekend, I shot one where it was just like 15 guests or something and I knew where we were going for the couple shoot and, it was, you know, I got to decide all of that. But still, like, I just get so stressed about it. I get so 
up in my own head because I just have this like unrealistic expectation of myself. And I think it might be because we really curate our feeds, we curate our website and it's all, we, we get it to such a high level. And then we kind of just, when we walk into a wedding, we're walking into this whole scenario that we have barely any control over. We don't know what's going to happen, who's going to be there, what kind of room we're going to be shooting in, like say with the getting ready and then that kind of thing. And for us to just turn up and be able to switch it on, you know, like a bloody on switch, like how can we expect to function under that? You know, we, at the end of the day, we, we need to prepare our clients as best we can by just helping with the planning, setting expectations, and then walk in and go, like, oh, I will do the best job that I can in this situation. Mm. But we, we, gotta, we can't expect ourselves to always create images that are, like, going to be the next best thing on our portfolio. And I think maybe I put the pressure on myself to do that every wedding, mm. even though I've got no control, you know. Like, you know, you might walk into bride prep and it's at their mum's house with, you know, it's an old house with, like, plates and spoons on the wall and, you know, there's pink carpet and pink walls and like at the end of the day we just need to walk into that situation and get try to use our style Mm. you're hitting a point man and it sounds like you're talking about how we're curated from what we show from what we see online what inspires us like that a book that's coming to mind is a magnum contact sheets and it shows uh, i'm not sure you've probably seen it and shows the contact sheets of photographers work that is pretty famous and like stuff like Vivian Mayer and these incredible photographers. And it shows how many photos they took for that single image we see online. Yeah, wow. It's a real eye opener when you see their process and you're like, wow, that's so bad. So like out of focus, like not even directly out of focus for a reason, but you're just like, look at that composition, shocking, shocking. And then it's like, oh, they took a step to the left and then there it is. And then that's what we see. We see the best. And then going back on um, what Jonas Peterson has been saying lately is how like, yeah, it's not always beautiful sometimes just focusing on the story and removing our expectations that it's going to be blogged or going to even we're going to show it or wherever it's going to go is the best way to move into the story rather than thinking oh that was no good because of yeah the plates and the wallpaper and why didn't get this type of lighting and stuff like that but yeah do you feel as though john that with these expectations you said you, you suffer stress on the morning and you're not the only one And then like, do you feel as though now that you remove yourself and allow the couple to have some time or you walk away from prep when it kind of gets a little bit too much, you've got those safe ones. Do you feel as though that's your practical way of dealing with that, the expectations and the challenge that comes with that? Yeah, for sure, man. And I think just got to constantly remind yourself throughout the day, you know, like they hired you for a reason and you, you do know better. Like, if someone is trying to get ready or do something like poorly lit corner of the room, you know, and it's terrible, you need to get in there and actually play your role and move them and little things like that because at the end of the day, like I was saying before, it's we're the artists. We should never rely on the camera. We shouldn't just be like, oh, this is where this is happening. I'm going to shoot it. As long as we're not ruining a moment, I think we should always be like, 
you know what, can you just come three steps this way and then we have an infinitely better photo. Whereas I think like starting out, you kind of don't want to ruin moments or you don't want to, you know, inconvenience people on the day, but that's what you're there for. You're there because you know better. You know how to take a good photo and like gear will only get you so far, right? Mm. It was like, oh, I was at a wedding the other day and like, it was speeches, everyone was having a great time laughing, and, but the couple were just sitting like a metre away from each other and, like, in between speeches I just went up and I just said, hey, man, can you just move a little bit closer? And then we got, like, amazing photos of them, like, laughing in the same scene, right? Like, but we need to, I think, take control of the situation to create good photos. We can't just sit back and document and rely on our gear to do things because at the end of the day they're hiring us our creativity and the fact that we know how to make a good photo, not that mm. because if you believe they're hiring you because you have $10,000 worth of equipment, like that's just the wrong way to be thinking, I think. Mm. Oh, man, on that as well, I think we're our own worst enemy, how we curate our work. I think if we all showed work that let's say you, a photographer truly walked into a wedding and zipped it and said nothing and sat there with his 35, like his full street photographer and just snapped away. And there was completely documentary. Like there was, if you direct someone that's not documentary wedding photography, say hundred percent documentary. And we showed that. I think that's fine. That's when you don't go it and start directing and, and start trying to make things. But it's very, I don't know any photographers that actually shoot 100% purely like that, like a journalist. Yeah. So, yeah, we're really, like you said, like the client sees this beautiful photo on John's website and the light's like hitting this wall. He's got this incredible like shapes and the architecture of the lines. It's like most likely that guy wasn't actually putting the suit jacket on there. But because you're the artist and like you said, you know how to utilize the light and you're creating this photo, you might have to make a move a meter over and create that photo. And, and then they know what they're expecting because I've seen your work and they're like, yes, like that's why we booked you, right? Yeah, just going into a wedding, like oh, I try to let go of that a little bit, like the, the expectation I put on myself because I'm like, oh, you know, how am I going to get like all these amazing photos? Mm. The shit situation, I just need to take a breather and I just go, how can I get? a few good photos here that are like really powerful and the couple is just going to like love them, mm. um, you know, rather than just sitting back and trying to get a hundred photos where the situation isn't ideal. Mm. I mean, if Google's taking a 10 minute break every 50 minutes, I think we need to just start doing stuff like that in the industry and um, yeah. start really honing in on our creativity rather than just kind of burning out and realizing that you can't sustain what you love and stuff like that. Hey. Yeah. Well, uh, mate, we, we were going to chat for 15 minutes. It's nearly on the uh, 40 minute mark. I think oh, <laughs> I knew we'd, we'd rock and roll mate. And um, <laughs> I just want to finish off John mate saying not just thank you for catching up in Hobart and showing us the incredible city and providing those beautiful photos of our family, but just for being you, man, I remember when we met years ago, and it was quite brief and I've, I've watched your work develop and it's always inspired me to see you really sticking to yourself and standing out and helping others like doing this podcast and stuff. So I just want to appreciate your time, man. I wish you all the best in 2021 and a wild, wild year ahead. 
Yeah. And I'll obviously link to everything that we've spoken about on the bottom of this episode, mate. So uh, yeah, thanks so much, John. Thanks so much for that, man. Um, no, I really appreciate you having me on. And Sorry, I'm a bit of a blubbering mess. I, I just, like I said at the start, you know, like when I'm put on the spot, my brain just shuts down. I have so much that I want to share and, and everything, but it's just like, I just can't get it out sometimes. <laughs> but if anyone ever wants to chat with me or about this kind of stuff, you know, I'm always, I'm always open to it and um, love catching up with people and, and kind of sharing those experiences because at the end of the day, we all, well, most of us anyway, just kind of work by ourselves. And I think it's so important to, to lean on each other because we're the only ones that understand kind of what we're going through here. Love it, mate. Yeah, thanks, East John. We're so glad you have taken the time to tune in. If you found this episode useful, why not share it with a friend and be the light someone may need? Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. This would mean so much to us. Ryan would love to connect with you beyond this episode. The links to everything and anything that was spoken about are in the show notes at www.escapingtheordinarypodcast.com. Talk to you next week.